Chicken and Klingons to episode 23 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? Oh, that's the Muppets and Star Trek. We have been and will continue to be doing one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek the Original Series. And tonight we are covering the Muppet Show with special guest star Connie Stevens and Star Trek Original Series episode A <laughs> Taste of Armageddon. Uh, so tell us about this week's uh, guest star, Connie Stevens, who I've never heard of. <laughs> Connie Stevens was a Jill of all trades, actress, director, writer, editor, and singer, all to her credit. She start, started in a small-time film roles, which landed her a seven-year contract with Warner Brothers. She went on to make uh, a lot of like Western-y kind of shows, like Maverick, Tenderfoot, and, and Cyan. Oh. Uh, she uh, has a hit song that hit the number three on the billboard uh, called 16 Reasons. Uh, since then, she has appeared on Broadway, on Laugh-In, and even for a while got paid just to show up in Vegas nightclubs. I think everyone was on Laugh-In at some point. Everybody. <laughs> she did a string of smaller roles through the 70s and 80s, including The Love Boat, Murder, She Wrote, and Fantasy Island. But what does our audience know her from? Unless you love old westerns or the movie Grease 2, lightly not much. Oh, she was on Fancy Island from our last week's guest, Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> well, Dude, every, also, everyone was on Fantasy Island. <laughs> and Love Boat. <laughs> That's right. But on stage this week, Kermit introduces Connie Stevens and Bert and Ernie, which is exciting. And he's in a barbershop he oh, quartet outfit, which is cool. He is. Then opens the show with a musical number, Lydia, the Tattooed Lady, a great song about a woman with every tattoo imaginable on her body. Next up, the Swedish chef making Swedish meatballs. He discovers they bounce and then uses them and as tennis balls, hitting one up to Statler and Waldorf. Following this, we get Connie's first number, a teenager in love. Kermit gives her a big introduction. It is a cute number. And at the end, she battles the large purple body suited puppets, the mutations uh, for attention from the audience. After we find ourselves at the dance where the best joke this week is the foxtrot j- joke because a woman is dancing with a fox. The funniest part is that it's like a reused weasel puppet yep. from like Emma daughter, I think. And they just put some terrible mismatch colored ears on it. Like yeah, it just looks, enough to pass it off. Looked really cheap and messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, next Floyd is backed up by Jansen Zoot performing the song. Ain't misbehaving. It's a groovy little number and really a nice break kind of in the middle of the show. Do you know who voiced that by the way? Um, that is, oh, I just want to challenge you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Not Richard Hunt. No. It was a great singing voice. That's why I asked. It is. Um, God damn it. You piece of shit. <laughs> Testing Steve's knowledge. Here's recurring- a part. I'm thinking of like six other guys and none of them are the guy I need right now. <laughs> well, that's okay. You don't worry about it. Fans. If you know, no, now I write to, to us. It. No, put a flag in. <laughs> don't put this in. You piece of shit. <laughs> Jerry Nelson, Jerry Nelson. God damn it. Okay. So you know who voiced that guy, Steve? I am Jerry Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) It's all staying in. 
All right, fair. Fair. <laughs> Audience, I am not foul. I thought of every. I was like, not Frank Oz, not Richard Hunt, not Dave Goals. God damn it, who that was. <laughs> It was Jerry Nelson. We'll have to challenge each other occasionally on our Trek and Muppet knowledge. And he's the guy who was an aspiring folk singer when Jim found him. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> where, where do we leave off in all this? You just singing the song, Clyde. <laughs> well, actually, that's the talk spot. <laughs> uh, where Connie sings a lovely little song to Kermit, the uh, Long to Be Close to You. Fozzie is super jealous and comes out to also vie for Connie's attention as well. And they all sing together. Up next, Zoot gets dragged out on stage by Nigel to play a piece of music that he just hates. Zoot only agrees when Nigel threatens to fire him. He is joined on stage by an orange haired like caveman Menomina <laughs> who plays the bell. It's it's a classic number. Gonzo follows this with a strange act where he grows a plant accompanied by the 1812 overture, which he plays on violin. It is not a big hit. Boot off the stage. I'm up a news flash features the newsman taking a hotline call. He then burns his hand on the phone from the hotline. Eh. <laughs> Following this, Ernie and Bert make their appearance. Finally, after commiserating about nerves and a quick change, Bert serenades Connie with some enchanted evening in a tuxedo as a full musical set materializes around him and a dance number ensues. That was pretty cool. Backstage this week, there's drama. Piggy uh, assaults Kermit because he introduces the show. Uh, and introduces Lydia and doesn't do anything wrong. Really? She physically assaults him though. Well, he's interacting with another pig lady and she doesn't like that. Yeah, but I watched it. I was like, he doesn't flirt at all. Like there's nothing there. No, she just assaults him. She's terrible. Uh, we get a cute moment where Wayne and Wanda, where they threaten to take the stage to take the place of Connie until she then shows up and then they back off. Mm hmm. The remainder of the backstage plot surrounds the fact that Gonzo brought his teddy bear, which is old and crusty and terrible. And people talk about how much they hate the teddy bear repeatedly, but Fozzie overhears it over and over again. And so they think he thinks that everyone hates him. <laughs> it's so sad. It's like the whole plot. They play it like three or four times. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end, Fozzie thinks that uh, Gonzo is threatening to leave if the bear leaves and him and Gonzo have a nice moment. Uh, but then Kermit clears it up that, he was talking about the teddy bear, which is awful, not the comic bear, and both bears can stay. Indeed. Uh, this brings us to the closing curtain where Connie receives a Muppet likeness. Only her and Juliet Prowse, because this is actually the second one in production order, ever received these as gifts. Uh, and then Gonzo's plant drags her off stage. And that is what we call the Muppet Show this week. Fantastic. Man, so music this week. Lydia the Tattooed Lady by Harburg and Arlen. First appearance was in a Marx Brothers movie at the circus and became synonymous with Groucho later on. Ah. There's also an alternate lyric that's about how she has a tattoo of Hitler on her ass. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, a teenager in love, uh, Doc Pomus and Mort Schumann, the same guys who wrote Save the Last Dance for Me and This Magic Moment. <laughs> uh, ain't so best behaving from... A Broadway musical I've never heard of called Connie's Hot Chocolates. Oh, I know uh, the song is Behaven. Uh, Louis Armstrong had his Broadway debut as an ensemble player in the pit for this show. Huh. What do you know? Uh, Saxon Violence, uh, the song that Zoot plays. This is one of the most iconic songs in all of the Muppet show. Uh, from Zoot's resentment of the music to sort of the blind, dumb excitedness of the Menomina interaction, it's just pure gold. <laughs> Honk. And then Some Enchanted Evening by Rogers and Hammerstein, their music, South Pacific, has since become a standard 
uh, in this song, recording with people like Sinatra, Bing Crosby, Willie Nelson, Streisand, and Bob Dylan. It's a good song. John, what did you think of this Connie Stevens episode of The Muppet Show? Uh, I thought it was a very middling episode, um, but all in all, Connie Stevens wasn't bad. Um, at first, since I had no prior knowledge of her, she came out sounding kind of like a, a 70s Marilyn Monroe kind of thing. She had yeah, that kind sort of, of baby voice, and uh, she, her first musical number was very whispery kind of singing. And, and I must take be a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize till later in the talk spot when she sings again that she's like, oh, she's actually a pretty good singer. She was kind of just putting on some kind of weird act for the first number. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she sounded much better. Match it. Yeah, she sounded much better in the second number. Um, and I like Close to You. It's a good song. Um, but yeah, it's, um, after the previous episode, we reviewed with Ethel Merman where they had none of the staple sketches, like, you know, the Swedish chef and the, 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 at the dance and all this stuff. They brought back a lot more of that this episode. So it was nice to have them yeah, back. Felt good. Yeah. It felt good. It's like missing them a little bit, but, um, I think they needed that here because the, the host wasn't as strong as like an Ethel Merman. Yeah, or, it can make up for a less strong host. Yeah. And so it kind of filled it out nicely. It felt like a good solid episode but just that there was um and i really felt for fozzy you know it's just it was so sad yeah, true everyone and hates just me having his heart broken and kicked over and over again i'm gonna go home <laughs> and i love how kermit's like you know oh no you're a legend you're wonderful am i laying it on too thick <laughs> that was really cute <laughs> so what do you think was the best muppeteering moment this week um, I know it's like a not typical Muppet necessarily, but I love the backup dancers for her teenager in love number. I think oh, the mutations. Yeah, they did some fantastic dancing and like just the coordination and to be like whacking her sure. without knocking her over. And I, I really enjoyed the mutations. They were really cool. What about you? I think mine uh, goes to Zoot and the Menomina this week. It's just such a simple song to sell. Right. And just great performances on both parts. Very nice. Um, so, Darren, tell us about this week's the original series episode that we watched. Sure. So this week we have a taste of Armageddon, which uh, this is one of many of the very convoluted names of episodes that Star Trek Caps has throughout the three years it was on. Um, it kind of doesn't really relate to the episode that well. But anyways, so the Enterprise is traveling to MNR seven and they're bringing along this really odd looking ambassador called Robert Fox. Um, who's going to establish diplomatic relations with this planet because um, little is known about this area. And all they know is that this, these two planets in that area have been at war, um, MNR7 and Vendikar. And also some ships have gone missing that have gone that way. So they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on and establish diplomatic relations. Um, so once they get there, the Enterprise receives a message from the planet saying, do not approach. But Ambassador Fox is arguing with Captain Kirk, saying they have to proceed. It's the mission. Um, and Kirk's like, I, my mission is to protect my ship. So they get in a little tiff. But they decide to go anyway uh, because the ambassador has some say here. So <coughs> Kirk and Spock uh, go down with some security personnel to make sure the planet's safe. Um, and they're met by representatives Maya 3 and Anon 7. Uh, everyone has numbers up to the name of this planet. And they're taken to the main base and they see that they're going to be attacked soon by Vendikar. So they're preparing for an attack. And all of a sudden they say a bomb is hit, but nothing's happened. Nothing's shaking. There's no readings of radiation and they're very confused. And Anon seven, the leader of this planet says that the war that they've been at for 500 years with Vendikar is all done by computer simulation. And that they basically, when someone when they blow up something in the computer, they have to kill that many people to even out the, the war instead of actually destroying property and destroying civilization. They just kill people based off computer numbers. And apparently during the computer attack, 
Anon 7 says that the Enterprise was also destroyed in the attack, in quotations, so that everyone on the Enterprise has to be taken down to the planet to be um, disintegrated and killed. So, obviously, Kirk is not very cool with this. So, Kirk is taken captive um, because he technically didn't die because he wasn't on board the Enterprise when it was exploded. Um, He's taken captive so that he can convince the crew to come down and be killed. And this is an interesting scene where they're stuck in this room and Spock uses telepathy to basically add a suggestion to the guard's mind to let them out of their cell. And they knock him out and they're able to escape. Um, Meanwhile, Anon 7, the leader of the planet, uses a voice duplicator to imitate Kirk's voice and try to convince Scotty to get bring the crew down uh, from the Enterprise. But Scotty's suspicious, and he has a computer analyze the message, and they confirm that it's fake. So he keeps the shields raised and doesn't bring anybody down. Um, so when they fail to transport everyone down, the, um, Anon 7 fires upon the ship, but the attack is deflected by the shields, thankfully. So Anon 7 then contacts the Enterprise, and claiming the attack was due to a, a malfunction. And Ambassador Fox, this overbearing asshole guy ambassador, decides to believe Anon and beams down to um, to talk with him and have like relations come up, come about. And he's taken to a disintegration chamber because technically he's already dead. Um, and Maya 3, this beautiful woman on the planet, as there always is, um, she's also was killed in the simulation, so she's supposed to be getting disintegrated. Um, but Kirk basically forcibly says she can't and like manhandles her. And German, who plays her? <laughs> who plays her? Yeah, who plays her? What's the name? I, I didn't see why. <laughs> I'm just asking you. Oh. <laughs> you asshole. Do you not know? Wait, I think it's Barbara Babcock, and I'm going to look that up right now. Oh, man, I hope you're right. You can rub it in my smug face. I think it's Barbara Babcock. Oh, my God. I'm going to look at this right now. This is going to happen. Original series. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope I'm right. <laughs> Case of Armageddon. And we got uh, Maya 3. Barbara Babcock. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, I'm nice. Good. Now I wouldn't have known that before, but I'd read up on a lot of the um trivia, so that's probably why I remembered that. Still counts, rub it in. Yeah. All right. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, Kirk manhandling Barbara Babcock um <laughs> and not letting her be killed. <laughs> Even though she's saying it's part of our planet's history, we do this, this is how we avoid having our culture destroyed. Um, but he thinks it's barbaric. They're even doing that. So Kirk confronts Anon 7, but is overpowered by the guards, and he's taken to their council chamber. And Anon 7 opens a channel to the Enterprise, and then when he does, Kirk jumps over and orders Scotty to execute General Order 24. And apparently that means that in two hours, the Enterprise will destroy the whole planet. And I thought at the end of the episode, they were going to say, this is like, oh, it's just a joke, it was like a bluff. But apparently it's a real thing that the ship has, which is terrible that the Enterprise has that. Wow. Um, yeah. So panic ensues, uh, and Kirk takes advantage of that to disarm the guards. And after Spock arrives, Kirk destroys the war simulation computers so that basically they have to fight real wars now. Uh, They can't just have these computer wars. And he's saying, so instead of doing a real war, maybe you just talk to them and actually have a treaty and and decide to have peace instead of just being at war at all. Um, So basically, uh, he convinces them to do that. They leave the diplomat, the ambassador on the planet, um, and they convince them to have a ceasefire. And all ends well, even though they broke the prime directive and all sorts of other moralistic things. But that's how the episode ends. <laughs> so, so what do you think? Uh, oh, we did some trivia first before we jump into that. Ooh. So some trivia for this. Uh, Scotty's. This is a really interesting story, actually. Scotty's refusal to lower the shields against orders 
um, which he, he says against the orders of the ambassador, is based off an actual story from James Doohan's military service, the actor who plays Scotty. So as lieutenant in the Royal Canadian Artillery, he was threatened with the court martial for, for real for saying, no, sir, I will not, to a visiting colonel when he realized a training exercise order would entail blowing the heads off of some of his own men. Um, so apparently this colonel was insane. Uh, fortunately, his immediate superiors backed him up, and like his fictional character, he was eventually promoted to be a captain in the military. Wow, okay. So he did this in real life, which is crazy. <clears throat> um, according to David Gerald, who was one of the producers, the computer tallies uh, the war, war dead in this episode was a statement about Vietnam war deaths that began to be registered on a nightly newscast in 1967. So they were seeing the numbers of deaths on television, and just like these computers were just showing death tolls. Um, so it's kind of inspired by that. Um, and what's kind of cool is there was a crewman, DePaul, who I don't even think has a line, uh, played by Sean Kenny, and he portrayed the injured Captain Pike in the Menagerie Part 1 and 2, the guy in the wheelchair. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was in this episode. Um, and this is the first time they get it right and say the United Federation of Planets instead of Space okay. Command, Space Central, Star Service, United Earth Space Probe uh, Agency. They had all sorts of crappy <laughs> titles, but they finally stick with it now, United Federation of Planets, and it won't change from here on out. And this is kind of just mysterious last one here. Uh, the identity of the actor who played Ambassador Fox's attache at the end of the episode, this random guy appears. No one knows who that is. And he's not an IMDb. No one knows who that actor was. <laughs> so someone's brother, someone's cousin or something. Yeah, he's not listed. He's just some unknown actor in the sands of time. It's just gone. So, wow. So anyway, Steve, what do you think of this episode? Uh, things I liked. I like it anytime someone has authority over Kirk. Oh yeah, that's true. You do like that. Um, it, it changes the dynamic and he's so often the top dog in the room. Mm -hmm. So to see him have to kind of play to somebody and put up with somebody is nice. Mm -hmm. Scotty in charge of the ship. Super exciting. Love Scotty. And I loved what a crazy concept this is. Like this episode was itself a very cool concept. Yeah. Very sci-fi make you think kind of thing. Uh, things maybe I disliked. Why is the Star Trek universe convinced that alien civilizations are going to center around funny hats? <laughs> yes. Uh, the weird ending with Spock. That was odd. Which ending was Spock? We're like, they just, it ends with the camera on him. I know they do it a lot, but this felt weird. Yeah, it went too long where it's like he slowly did the eyebrow thing. I was like, what? what? <laughs> uh, and then the, the ambassador seemed like extra double dumb. To a point where it wasn't really believable or just like bullheaded and just like, okay, what's the, what's going on here? Why are you so, yeah. And those eye bags he had, man, those were huge. Those, those are intense. You could store <laughs> luggage in there. Yeah. It was like Nixon level eye bags. It was That's right. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so German, I've got some Trek connections for this week's episode. Oh, sure. Please. So in, uh, in 1967, an issue of the movie TV secrets magazine, <laughs> featured articles, one of which was an interview with Eddie Fisher. And the tagline for the article was what I told Connie Stevens, I couldn't do on our wedding night. <laughs> okay. The same article also featured a four star flash featuring William Shatner and his personal star Trek. <laughs> God, how the hell do you <laughs> find this shit? Both Connie Stevens and Leonard Nimoy guested on laughing, which was, we commented, everyone was on laughing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one's the long walk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Connie Stevens was the secretary treasurer of SAG for a while. Okay. During a tumultuous time in 2009, when the Screen Actors Guild and the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers were working on some sort of general agreement, 
that from what I can tell was going to help a lot of small time actors, but was really going to cut the bargaining nuts off a lot of big time actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one of the town halls where Connie was there as acting treasurer and secretary taking notes and recording the meeting, Nichelle Nichols attended. Oh, and the journalist reporter, uh, they didn't talk about SAG politics, but spoke briefly about the upcoming J.J. Abrams movie. <laughs> so that wasn't that long ago. No, 2009. Wow. Um, but yeah. <laughs> what a kind connection. Stevens and Sean Nichols, same room at some point. <laughs> so now I go to the similarity segment where we uh, say what is similar between these two episodes. And I, my brain just turned off for this one. I couldn't think of anything similar, <laughs> even like long walks. So you have a bunch Both somehow. Feature- both feature female characters coming to terms and accepting their fates. Uh, Mia three and her disintegration and Connie Stevens being a teenager in love. Oh, perfect. You Why mean Barbara Babcock, right? Yeah, Barbara Babcock, <laughs> son of a bitch. Jay Nelson. Um, both feature physical assault, Piggy and Kermit at the beginning and Kirk versus the guards. Uh-huh. Uh, where we got a, an illustrious and rare double chop this week. Oh, we did some Kirk foo. Both feature someone being forced into something and someone else willingly walking into the situation. Zoot doesn't want to play the song, but begrudgingly agrees and then is joined by an inept and happy phenomena. Just like Kirk is held against his will and then Fox comes down on his own accord, just like an idiot. <laughs> sure. <laughs> is that all of the ones you have? Yeah, it's decent. Well, what's that noise? That was, that was amazing. <laughs> Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, so now time in the show where we take one character from one episode and transport them to the other episode and see what happens. So uh, what you got for us this week, Steve? So this week from the tra- Trek to Muppets, I'm going to bring over one of those f- uh, floppy, silly hats uh-huh. and replace Bert's top hat from uh, in his dance numbers. So the comedy would just be all of it flopping around and him getting in the way and like hitting Connie Stevens in the face by accident. <laughs> it's a big floppy hat. It's funny. Cause I also took the, the hat guys. Uh, I want three of those guys <laughs> wearing those stupid hats to be the backup dancers for Connie Stevens. Take the place. Of the mutations. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they look ridiculous. Uh, I said, Connie should come over and replace Maya three because it literally could have been any pretty blonde woman. Yeah. With like, five ten lines <laughs> yeah and she was very i don't know stiff i get that from from the emotional point of view they're supposed to be like a very emotionally trained civilization but right but still and she's actually a better actress than that flat. because apparently she's played like four different roles in star trek episodes do, do you mean barbara babcock barbara babcock she's done a lot she actually played the voice of trelane's mother in that episode squire of gothos oh. that was her voice barbara babcock nice uh, I have the Swedish chef going over to be the ambassador <laughs> and he's just like terrible at it. And like the, the civilizations go to war all the time because of him. He's just like, <laughs> but so we can't go to that, that planet under any circumstances. All right, we'll go. I guess. I, I don't know what you mean by that, but uh, why isn't the universal translator working? I don't understand. Just let us, let us push the buttons, please. <laughs> so there you go. And I think that brings us to the end of episode Weird 23 of the Muppet Trek podcast. <laughs> Join us next time for episode 24 of The Muppet Show with special guest Vincent Price. An original series episode, This Side of Paradise. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. 
Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Thank you.